Before we start this week's episode of the podcast, one quick production note. When we recorded this episode of the podcast, we ran into a few technical difficulties, but bear with us. We think you can still hear us pretty well and understand the content. We'll do better next time. Thanks for bearing with us on the Soul Care Matters podcast. Welcome to the Soul Care Matters podcast, bringing gospel-centered clarity and insight to the whole person. Here, you will find conversations about real issues that we face every day and thoughts on how to move toward health in Jesus in the middle of those issues. Hosting today's podcast, Jeff Ballard and Ryan Berg, Soul Care Pastors at College Park Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome back to the Soul Care Matters podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Berg, and I'm here with Jeff Ballard, who was just humming the Soul Man song, right? We're supposed to tell everybody yeah. that. He said, Soul Care. See, there it is. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Um, we're glad that you are tuning in. Uh, I want to start off the show a little bit differently this time around, Jeff. So last time we talked about um, kind of New Year's goals, and one of mine was to read 50 books. So I am on 16 right now. Man, you're I'm, flying. I'm on book 16, which made me think to ask you, what are you reading right now? I just finished up recently. If, if I can cheat a little bit, I'd love to share about this book. Um, Philip Yancey's relatively new memoir, okay. um, Where the Light Fell. Okay. Such a really, man, just a powerful story of his life that was really surprising to me. Um, talks about growing up in a really poor family, single mom. His dad died when he was very young. And spoiler alert, he actually didn't know all the full story of how his dad died. Oh, wow. So a lot of the memoir is him coming to terms with all the the, the context yeah. of that. Um, he grew up in a really fundamentalist family. Mm. You know, he's, you know, I've benefited from some of his books and he's kind of the guy that really gets and talks about grace. Yeah. And so it's just neat to hear the backstory of coming out of fundamentalism and coming to appreciate the grace of the gospel and finding healing in that. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? So I'm reading two books right now. Um, one of them I'm reading is just a little book called Searching for Grace. Uh, I don't know if you know Scotty Smith. Yeah. The, the pastor in, in Nashville. Um, he, for years and years, has mentored another pastor from Georgia named Russ Masterson, and they essentially just kind of compiled a bunch of their conversations over the years mm -hmm. on what it looks like to be a pastor, to be a dad, to be a husband, to be a friend, to be a son, to be a brother. And I have found it very compelling and extremely applicable to life. Like sometimes you read some of these books, at least for me, and I'm like, oh, that's a really great story. That doesn't apply to my life in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> this one does pretty much across the board. Yeah. And I think anybody would pick it up and find a lot of benefit. So that's one. Real quick. Yeah. Is there one thing in particular you think of that was like, man, yes, yeah. like really hit home? And Yeah. So one of the chapters that I read uh, at the end of last week was essentially a confession from Russ to Scotty that he had a hard time accepting accepting grace in certain contexts of his life. Mm -hmm. And then Scotty talked about where that's been hard for him over the years. And it really just was very poignant to me. Like I talk about grace a lot. I counsel and grace is a frequent 
topic uh, that we discussed, I just kind of asked myself the question, like, are there any areas of my life where I find it difficult to receive grace? Mm-hmm. And so I've just been spending some time kind of chewing on that and, and doing some journaling because, again, listeners, I promised I was going to be better about journaling. Uh, doing some journaling, and I found that really rewarding and just a, a, a truly rich thing to dig into God's word about grace for myself mm-hmm. and, like, what does it look like to receive that? The other book I'm reading that I am finding absolutely fascinating and really fun to read is I am reading the biography of Walt Disney right now. Nice. So anybody who knows me, I'm a Disney guy, (laughs) but I had never read Walt's biography. So Jeff, did you know that during World War II, the Walt Disney Studios company was hired to create instructional videos for soldiers on how to operate certain equipment? Wow. I did not know that. And they were animated. (laughs) They were animated uh, like how-to videos that essentially the military had said, we're having a hard time getting anybody to watch our instructional videos. Hey, Disney, come in here and make these better. And they did. And then like efficiency, productivity, and everything went through the roof. Wow. Super interesting, right? Did you know that when Disneyland opened in California, um, not the first day that it was opened, but at the end of that first month, they did a live television special saying, hey, welcome America, welcome world to Disneyland. And they had a pre presidential ronald reagan as the host of that wow one of three right ronald i know what year was that oh boy you would ask me that so disney world was 1971 so 61 okay okay i don't know well before his presidency yes yeah and i mean just so many up did you know that walt disney and his studios are largely credited for um getting eisenhower on board with the space race really so apparently i didn't know this i should probably know my history better than this but apparently um eisenhower was just like i don't see the point there's not a need there's more pressing things right now and then disney had produced a couple of films about educating the world about space Hmm. he saw them thought they were so great contacted walt and the company and they had multiple conversations about it and then all of a sudden he's like yeah let's get in this wow see it kind of feels a little bit like the forrest gump story yeah a little bit how forrest gump was just involved in all these huge historical things and so walt disney is the real life forrest gump it's I, i just found it really really interesting i love biographies in general because you learn things about people you think you know a lot about and you realize i really knew very little about this yeah and i thought it was pretty cool i think you need to up your reading goal because if you're already at 16 yeah and as we're recording this everybody it's february what what is today 17th 17th so only halfway through february and you've read 16 books you're on pace for like a hundred plus. Nah, I will. So come on. But pretty soon I'm sure life will be like, no, Ryan, <laughs> we may not have time to read. Yeah. So, okay. All right. But if I hit 50, we need to have some kind of we'll on air celebration. We'll celebrate. So speaking of reading, one of the things that, um, we wanted to talk about on the podcast this year is something that comes up in counseling a lot. Uh, over the years, I've had a bunch of people sit in my office. We're talking about what it looks like to spend time in God's word and apply what you read there to your life. And I've had this question several times, and I would even say I've had it several times in the last, I don't know, six months. Jeff, I wanted to ask you, people come and they ask me, how do I know when I go to God's word and I read something that like my interpretation of what I'm reading is correct. There's so, it feels like you can interpret certain things multiple different ways. How do I know that my interpretation is correct and therefore my application of what I'm reading to my life mm-hmm. 
is is accurate? Yeah, it's a great question. One of the benefits of each of us being able to have the Bible in our hands mm-hmm. is that we get to read it for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, which to us in the 21st century might not seem like a big thing, but if you think back historically, you know, before the Reformation, that was not the norm. But the downside of that is this reality that every one of us gets to read the Bible for ourselves and the risk of misinterpreting there being a million different interpretations of this passage because we're all reading it for ourselves. So it's a really important question to, to ask. What are sort of some controls on our interpretation? Right. How do we know we're being faithful and accurate in what we're uh, reading and interpreting? So a few things come to mind. One is we should never read the Bible in total isolation, just ourselves. As much as it is a gift to read it for ourselves, um, we shouldn't trust ourselves on our own to faithfully interpret scripture. Mm -hmm. So there should be a number of different communities. One is the literal community right around us, our church community. Mm -hmm. Um, We should be reading the Bible with others, um, seeking to understand it with others. So if I come up with an interpretation that I think is correct, but the 10 people closest to me who are, you know, fellow members of my church go, I don't think that's right. That should be a red flag to me to go, okay, maybe I need to rethink that interpretation. So that's one community. Second community is a little bit wider of just the, the global body of Christ. So we have access to that in amazing ways nowadays. So um, you just think of commentaries that are out there that are written by biblical scholars who have devoted their lives to studying the text and interpreting it. We can um, check our interpretations, you know, with those scholars, as well as just the like the global church, meaning actual churches, scholars, or just faithful pastors in other countries. That helps us to guard against interpreting just from our sort of cultural angle, like yeah. for us as Americans. We have certain ways of looking at things, but checking with people from different cultures, um, African brothers and sisters who are also interpreting scripture, checking our interpretations against against theirs really helps. So let me jump in and ask you a question, because one thing that I feel confident somebody listening might ask is, how do I know what commentaries or what scholars to consult? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, that's the trick, because you've got a whole range of, you know, scholars and commentaries out there, some that I definitely wouldn't want somebody to, uh, to consult, you know, that couple of, couple of thoughts come to mind there. Um, one, if you're really not sure at all, um, you know, check with one of your pastors, ask them, Hey, what, what would be a few good commentaries or commentary series that I could access? That'd be one. Um, another one is there's, um, a book by Don Carson, D.A. Carson, where he uh, publishes kind of for each book of the Bible, um, New Testament, at least all the commentaries that are out there. It gives them a rating, tells you what its strengths and weaknesses are, that yeah. sort of thing. So if you you really want to nerd out, that yeah. could be a resource to use. Another resource that's not technically a, a commentary, but I found to be a really helpful resource is the Bible Project. Mm-hmm. 
bibleproject.com. They have videos on each book of the Bible that just kind of walk through the structure and help you understand the big picture. Um, they have podcasts and yeah. blog posts and those kinds of things. And I found that to be a, a, a really trustworthy resource to really get the essential message of books of the Bible and, yeah. and just help you to read it. Their, their whole goal is to help Christians be able to read the Bible better. Yeah. Make it accessible and a little yeah. bit more user-friendly. I'll throw one other resource in there. Um, so this one's also maybe a little bit nerdy, but helpful and user-friendly. Blueletterbible.org is a website that you can go to, and you can actually break down passages of the Bible by language and even by word. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times if you click on a, a, a passage or one of the words in the passage, it will give you multiple commentaries, multiple scholars' interpretation of that passage. And yeah. So you get a pretty good and well-rounded view of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the last community I wanted to mention, so he said, you know, the people right around you in your church, um, kind of the wider community in terms of the global church, Bible scholars, commentaries, that three. The last community would be Christians from across church history. Yeah. So here's an area where I think Protestants on the whole are pretty weak here. Yeah. Um, so we need to improve here, but you know, we need to familiarize ourselves with the interpretations of Christians across the centuries so that if we have this novel interpretation that's out of step with, you know, the Athanasian creed, right. we ought to doubt our interpretations because, you know, we have creeds and traditions, which they're not infallible. Sure. Um, but as long as they're underneath the authority of scripture, like we ought to check our interpretations with those kinds of parts of church history. I know we've mentioned it before, but my friend Casey is rejoicing in his car right now to hear you say <laughs> that we should be looking at things like that. He says that to me often. It's true. It's absolutely true. So I'm approaching the Bible, Jeff, and I'm, I'm struggling with a particular thing. And let's say in my counseling session, or maybe from the pulpit on Sunday, the pastor says, spend some time in this passage or like read through this. What would you recommend? How should I approach that wisely? Yeah, that's a big question because there's so many ways to, to approach it. Right. You know, if you think about it, communication in general can be really tricky. Mm. Um, Cause like if you and I are having a conversation, you're trying to communicate ideas from your mind, <laughs> put it into words, say those words out loud. It goes in my ears. And then my mind is trying to decode what you mean by that. Yeah. And that's hard enough for two guys. We're, we're about the same age, both grew up in the same part of the world pretty, you know, similar backgrounds, mm-hmm. cultures, that sort of thing. And we can, it's still easy to miscommunicate. Absolutely. But when you're coming to the Bible, you're talking about for us, 21st century people reading communication that was written down anywhere from 2000 to 3000 years ago on the other side of the world by people who thought in very different categories than we do. So it's not impossible to understand that, but there are some things that make it really challenging. So that's one of the reasons why we need to be very careful about how we read and understand scripture. So I say that not to discourage people from, you know, I don't want people to throw up their hands and go, how can I ever understand this? It just means we have to put in effort. So one of the things I would say is most of us just don't put in enough effort to understand scripture. We think we can sit down and and just read it like we would read the newspaper or something else. And we're going to understand it just easily. And the the reality is it it takes a little bit more effort. Um, Second thing I would say is context is so important. 
So we've got to understand the, the literary context of a passage. So if I'm sitting down with Ephesians chapter two, that's what my pastors encourage me to read and think about. What do I need to read in order to understand Ephesians chapter two? Ephesians chapter one right. would be a good place to start. You know, what's, what's the surrounding context about? Um, that would be some things. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul talks about grace. What is, what is Paul mean by the word grace? So Ephesians 1 might give you some clues to that. Ephesians 3 might give you some clues to that. That whole book of Ephesians. But Paul's other letters too, just looking at how does he use that word? What does he mean by that? Mm. Doing some studies like that could be helpful. You know, Jeff, that's a really good point. And something you mentioned earlier, this is where something like the Bible Project videos are really, really helpful because they fill in some of those blanks yeah. for you. And they give they do a really good job of giving a, um, a historical setting. Yeah. This book was written during this time. Here's what was going on in the world. Here who's, here's who's writing it and what their intended purpose was. And then you go to it and there's, you know, some a way that you can approach it then from an informed perspective yeah and you ha- and you have a general idea if you don't mind something that i often encourage uh, counselees to do is to approach a passage and soap it have you ever heard this before? yes yeah remind me what soap means so, <laughs> yeah so this is a really basic way of approaching the bible but there's some days to this day i've been a christian for 20 plus years i just had to think about how old am i um <laughs> and it soap is an acronym that stands for scripture observation application prayer yeah. and you literally get a piece of paper or a notebook or something when i was a little kid learning how to do this i did it on three by five cards and you find a passage. So you said Ephesians two, let's say you break Ephesians two down into maybe two or three verses and you write them out word for word in your journal. Cause there's something um, really tangible about putting it down on paper. You read it and then you write it down and it sticks in your mind a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's a limbic experience that you're having there. And then observation that's look for the low hanging fruit. You read this passage. What do I know to be true? Just from the first mm-hmm read over of this passage. So Ephesians chapter two, depending on what portion you're in, there's a lot in there about adoption, being heirs with Christ. You were far off, but now you've been brought near. There's some things that's fairly low hanging fruit. And then you write that down, but you're going to have questions too. And when you kind of write up in my notebook in the margin to the side, I write out those questions. And then that's when I start consulting commentaries. And that's when I start having conversations with brothers and sisters. Well, what are, do you think you meant by this? What do you mean? And then application, pretty obvious. How do I apply this to my life? And then prayer, you write out your prayer. Mm-hmm. Based on what you've just read, you know, what am I needing? What am I wanting? How, like, how can I better know what Christ's message to me is in this particular passage. And then you go back and look at it, and then you have a fairly good grasp on what that passage is talking about because you've gone through all four of those steps. I found it to be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I like how that gives just some specificity to, you know, just some steps to take, especially for, um, yeah, beginner Bible readers or even those of us who've been Christians for a long time, but it's just, it's just not a natural thing. Let's go back to the application piece of that because I, you know, I find that sometimes that's where the hardest part can be you know it's like we understand a passage okay how, how does this really apply to my life in the year 2022 yeah um any any thoughts you have for yeah so uh, again there's a lot of interpretation here right but i, I 
I essentially ask myself two questions. What does this passage say about God? What does this passage say about me? In that order. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks tend to flip those. But <laughs> or leave God out. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what does it say about God and what does it say about me? And that leads to a natural third question. So what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. So again, in Ephesians 2, for example, that passage has so much identity language in it, talking about Christ sees me this way. So what that tells me about Christ is he's choosing to see me. And I should say, not just Ephesians 2, like you said earlier, the context around that passage, Mm -hmm. that God is choosing to see me through the lens of his son, Jesus, as an heir, as somebody with all the rights and privileges that a a blood child would have, that once I was far off, but now I've been brought near. If it wasn't for God, then this wouldn't be happening. So a lot of, there's a lot of language in there that tells me a lot about God's posture towards me. And so what does it say about God? It says that he's a loving God who chose to love me as one of his own. And then what does it say about me is I'm the recipient of that. Not because of anything I've done, but because he loved me enough to choose me anyway. And And then the third question, so what do I do with that? Worship. I mean, if there's not, if you can't worship after Ephesians 2, something's wrong, right? There's got to be a God chose me. Therefore, I'm the recipient of something I never deserved. And therefore, I get to worship and I choose to obey him because I love him. And I'm so grateful for what he has done and continues to do in my life. Yeah, that's good. I think one of the things I know I I struggle with and I see a lot of people that I minister to struggle with too is getting concrete with that. Mm. Okay, so worship, I I obey God. But what do I do with this conflict I'm having with my spouse or my parenting or just, you know, my frustration with my job and just seems mundane and not every passage of scripture is going to apply directly to those things. One of the things I've found helpful is you complete the sentence because this is true, you know, whatever that truth that you're pulling out of scripture, because this is true, this means blank in my life and what we fill into that blank if we can make that as concrete as possible so so say yeah say it's a passage we're reading and interpreting that's about god's love say first john 4 it's one of my favorites Mm -hmm. where it talks about you know the love of god was made manifest to us through jesus and his atoning sacrifice and talks about therefore you know we're called to love one another the question there is you know because this is true because i'm i am loved by god it's been shown manifested through jesus i've received that love therefore um, this is what that means in my life and what i put in there like is it concrete and i find the more concrete we get the better so because if i just say well god's calling me to love others okay, what does that look like? And application, I don't think really happens unless we know what it looks like. Like if I'm a fly on the wall Mm -hmm. and I can see somebody living that out. So I always find that question to be really helpful. So, you know, what, what is that? What's first John four have to do with the way that I love my spouse? Mm -hmm. Well, really concretely, it means I don't want to have the mindset that, well, I'll love her if she loves me. Because what that passage says is, well, I'm loved by God and I'm called then to love others out of that love that I've received. So no matter how my spouse is treating me, I can love them because of the love of God. And so that might look like I'm going to, I'm going to speak with kindness, Mm -hmm. even if she's curt with me. Um, I'm going to serve her by doing 
the practical things around the house, regardless of whether I think she's, you know, fulfilling the things she should be doing that. I think that's, that's one of the things that's been really helpful. Super for me. Like, how do we make it concrete? So we started this talking about how do I interpret, how do I know my interpretation is correct? And you gave several different principles to consider specifically the three communities that you talked about. Want to repeat those for us? Yeah. So the community of living people right around me, like in my church, the people I'm doing life with who are fellow believers. Then there's the wider community of biblical scholarship, the global church, um, again, living people that are all around the world, brothers and sisters in Christ. Then we've got the historical community of the church, the church throughout the ages. We we progressed from there to talk about an approach to scripture, maybe the SOAP method and doing something like that, scripture, observation, application, prayer. And I want to emphasize in there, especially in the observation and application stages, you should walk away with questions. Yeah. Questions to bring to those three communities and, and figure out like, how, how should I rightly interpret this? And then um, you just very helpfully put it, fill in the blank for application. Mm-hmm. If this is true, then yeah, blank. Yeah. If what I just read is true, then that affects my marriage or parenting or the way I approach money, whatever the case may be mm-hmm. in this manner. Yeah. And again, I would advocate for journaling. It's a really good place yeah, to kind of get all that out on paper. How well have you been doing with your journal? <laughs> Better. Yeah. Right. So um, after the last podcast, my mom actually was like, tell me about journaling. Right? Why should I do this? And so I had a conversation with my mom about, hey, you should do it because of these reasons and be better at it than me mom be better than i am almost every day since our last uh last time we recorded so here's here's one last thought going back to the original question you asked how do we know our interpretation is is true and this isn't foolproof but one part of the equation might be to what results in my life like what kind of fruit does it bear does this does interpreting scripture this way lead to me faithfully following Jesus, loving God with all my heart, yeah. soul, mind, and strength, loving people in practical, concrete ways. If so, it's more likely yeah. that I'm reading the Bible accurately because that's that's what the Bible's aim is, yeah. that we yeah. love God and love people. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point. Results do speak for themselves right? Yeah. at some yeah. point in time. And the other thing I would say is, I, I just kind of want to emphasize this one more time. You said one of the things that you can really do that's helpful is ask your pastors about things. So if, Jeff, if you had, let's say, an incredibly painful toothache, and you were kind of examining your mouth and you're like, oh, it looks like I might have a cavity or something like that. Would you just assume that your interpretation of that oh, it, illness is Absolutely correct? not. Yeah. yeah. Right? I'd go to my dentist. A professional. Like somebody who spends all their time studying and doing that. It's the same thing for this. But I don't know why sometimes we get a little bit hesitant to reach out for that. So it's part of the community. I hope this was helpful for you listeners today as you seek to grow in your understanding and interpretation of God's word. I know I got some things I'm going to be thinking about specifically that question if this is true then what does that mean for this fill in the blank situation really helpful we'll be coming at you with more life stories and more episodes like this soon if you've got topic ideas or anything like that feel free to reach out to us on social media at cpc soul care matters Uh, like the podcast share it it's growing we appreciate it and we'll talk to you next time 
You've been listening to the Soul Care Matters Podcast, a ministry of College Park Church. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And feel free to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or show topic ideas at soulcarematterspod at gmail.com.